Hey, this is Cunning Minx of the Polyamory Weekly Podcast at polyweekly.com, and you're listening to the giant pervert unspeakable acts on the Massacast. Welcome to another episode. I, I got an email this last week uh, because I've been, you know, asking people for suggestions on who to interview on the show. Doing another big round of interviews in the next couple of weeks. And that, that, by the way, open invitation. If you know someone or you yourself would like to be on the show, massacast at gmail.com. But I did get someone uh, who had a suggestion and they said, uh, you should get some porn stars on the show. The thing, I, I don't know any porn stars, and I don't uh, have any friends who know any porn stars. Saad has uh, wanted Belladonna. The thing is, is again, I don't know Belladonna or uh, Sasha Gray. I don't know any of those people. Who get, a lot of people just want to hear porn stars. I don't know any. And I don't have any friends who know any. And I'm not going to just email out of the blue, <laughs> I am some dude who wants you on the pot. No, come on. That's a, ridiculous. We, I, I will give you uh, something that's very close to porn stars, and that is someone who writes about porn stars. Anna B. Volk. Uh, found, um, found out about her through our friend uh, Natasha Gornick. And uh, she said, this person would be great. And I'm so glad she did. Uh, it's actually Dr. Anna B. Volk. See if uh, some of her brains will rub off on me uh, in this episode. I hope you enjoy it. We talk porn. There is a stereotype of Brazilians, mm-hmm. right? In in I I had a friend uh, here in New York when I first moved here. She was Brazilian, and she was. Uh, and I'm not saying every Brazilian woman is like this, but she was a stereotypical. What I think of, she was very strong. She was very exotic. Very passionate. Very, you know. I mean, and, and in fact, when I would tell my friends, hey, I've got this friend, she's, you know, well, where's she from? Oh, she's Bra- and they go, Ooh, Brazilian, really? Ooh, really? Do you, and then, so that's a stereotypical woman, Brazilian woman. The stereotypical Brazilian man, I think, I think, is they get to have sex with Brazilian women. I think that's the only thing I can think of that maybe, maybe you could fill in the gaps more, but why is that? Why is Brazil, why is Brazil given this... And if you look at the list, out of curiosity, I thought, why is it? Now, if you look at the list of the, the hottest, most attractive people, Brazil is like always next to Norway and Sweden, right? It's always up there. What is the... What is? The- it has a lot to do with history, if you think about it. I mean, the whole idea of the white man getting to a place and conquering the place and um, turning that into a parallel between the country and the female body and this, like, conquering of the dark female body is like this mysterious personification of this jungle and stuff like that. So Brazilian women are definitely regarded as much more sexual than they really are. But the, 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 uh, do you know who Randy Newman is? No. He's a musician. He has a song called The Great Nations of Europe. And it's a parody. He's basically making uh-huh. fun of, and we're talking about how horrible European colonization is, right? Uh, they did, they did this to a lot of countries. You know, they, they colonize a whole bunch of, you know, they, you, you don't, maybe, maybe it's not to the same extent, but look at India, right? I mm-hmm. mean, India is another prime example, and we don't have that same stereotype of, of Indian women. 
why why is why Brazil specific? Or did I interrupt you before you could give it? No, you did not. Um, I was just, when you said that, was the first official historical document of Brazil existing is a letter from. I mean, we had the the, the big ships coming to Brazil from Portugal, and uh, the first document that went back to Portugal saying we have found new lands. This guy, I forgot his name now. He actually wrote, uh, "We found new land. There are." strange dark people in there the women have no pubes so there you go you have the first <laughs> the first that's the first thing that they, they they this is how brazil is categorized and and stigmatized in the very first line of its discovery <laughs> so it is i'm sorry i'm laughing because that's the i know you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine if we were to land on mars or alpha centauri or whatever, and the astronauts. The first thing they wouldn't say is, "We found another another sentient civilization. The women have no pubes." That wouldn't be the first thing. But that would make sense because I mean, you get you have these people coming from Portugal where it's cold, and these women are all covered all the time. Yeah. Into Brazilian land where it's freaking hot, and yeah. our native Brazilians they have absolutely no clothes on. Right. And because of genetics, the women have no pubes. So it just makes sense, you know, how... But I think it's like in the first, very first line, Brazil was decided that to be like... It is defined as a known pube land. <laughs> it's more... It, it's, the you definition know? itself is sexual. Yes, right 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 there you go. And wild. It's not only sexual, but it's sexual and different and right. exotic and, you know... Wow. So it's all perception. It's no, yes. but do, so sometimes, if if someone were to put, uh, you, you know, you can see this in, in people. If all of a sudden you told everybody at a party, "Oh, my friend's showing up and he's really funny," or, you know, my friend's showing up and she's really smart or something like that, the person will will tend to act the way they're expected to be. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So if you tell if if the person's. Uh, Rumored to be very fashionable or very frugal or whatever, sometimes they end up taking on their own that own. It could be a bad trait or a positive trait, right? Do you think that it, the fact that everyone's always talking about for how many years now Brazilians as being these very uh, passionate, very sexual people did the same thing? Did this translate to the Brazilians saying, "Well, okay, I guess we are," or is that just a stereotype that has no? They're no more passionate than, than any other group of people? Or is this a horrible question? I have to think about this. Um, I, I really don't know if a national sexual identity in Brazil would correspond to the, the fame it has around the globe. But I, I guess so, yeah. Somehow, especially when you're starting your sex life, the idea that you are Brazilian, it differentiates you from other people. If you live in big centers like Rio or Sao Paulo, where you do have a lot of tourists, and uh, and you do have a lot of sexual tourism, you have like 14, 15-year-old middle-class girls just like trans... I don't know how to, how to... They just, like, flock around these tourist places and they get hit on by gringos. And the fact that they are Brazilian make a difference. So mm. it might have a very, very big influence on the sexual identity of the country. But, yeah, I have to think about that, like, from the top of my head. But also, I mean, people always think of... Uh, whenever I hear anyone say anything about Mardi Gras, uh-huh. they'll say, oh, Mardi Gras, you gotta go. And then someone else... Will always say that's nothing. I've been to Carnival. That's that's the real party, right? They're always trying to one up it, and it's almost like 
I mean, it's it's there. Is it more of a just a, hey, we're doing this for the tourists type of thing? Or is it actually pretty wild? No, it is pretty wild. Right. And you know what? I've never... Unfortunately, I've never been to Mardi Gras. Yeah. But from Neither what I have... No, but from what I, like... I have seen you guys have more nudity in Mardi Gras than we have in Carnival, believe me or not. Well, have you tried uh, incorporating beads? Okay, maybe not. Yeah, in Brazil we have ass, so. <laughs> um, it is it is wild. I have experienced Carnival with tourists. I mean, I have friends come over and, and I took them to, and it is wild. It, you- it, it, is, it is so part of, it is part of the financial uh, system of the country. Mm-hmm. You know, how to... Mix the whole tourism and sex during carnival. That's how we profit. Mm-hmm. So it, it is. If for if maybe for Brazilian, I mean maybe it doesn't reach Brazilians in the same level that it reached tourists, but definitely yes. Yeah. Carnival is how many people did you kiss in one day? This is this is what carnival is about for Brazilians. Kiss. Yes. Well, that's pretty tame, I suppose. But you even said before, when we were starting, you said, it's okay, I'm Brazilian, nothing shocks me, or something along that line, right? Yeah. So every nation has sort of a Mm self-identity. Same thing with different parts of the country. Like, my people are, where I'm from, they're very stoic, uh, Lutheran, Norwegian, uh, very bland food, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Potato is considered a spice, almost. I mean, it's very bland food, and and, and we're kind of self-deprecating. Those are the things that kind of. But so you, as a Brazilian, identify as like, oh, nothing shocks me, or is it because you've actually seen everything, and so therefore nothing. No, it's because I'm Brazilian, <laughs> nothing shocks me. You know, it's like um, it's really funny because we don't actually talk about things a lot in Brazil. We just do them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the past couple. For the past week, especially, when I've been here in New York and I've been talking to people, if I feel like the people I've met, they process things and they actually think of sex more than I have ever seen anybody do in my life. That's, well, we're going to get to this because uh, I've been reading your work and uh-huh. you think about porn more than I've ever, <laughs> I've ever seen anyone think about porn. Can I do your, this, is, this just blew me away when I read this. So, uh, so I'm going to read your, read your bio here. Is this okay? okay? Uh, Anna B. Volk, pronouncing that correctly? Mm-hmm. Right. Anna B. Volk holds a bachelor's degree in English language, a master's in Irish literature, a doctorate in comparative literature, a bachelor's in architecture and urbanism. She holds plane tickets from Brazil, latte-filled mugs and cigarettes, and she watches porn and writes and talks about it, and she sometimes does it all at the same time while listening to jazz. She lives in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, I think you might be the first doctor on the show. Are you serious? I think you might be the first doctor on the show. Yeah. Which balances me out because you have, it sounds like you have more more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> you have quite a few out. And whereas I, uh, I, I attended, uh, I attended college. That's about, all, that's about all I did. So if I talk to, you might have to talk down to my level. Oh, don't what I'm saying. Are you sure? Okay. It's, that's not true. But um, this is a Brazilian thing. Let me put it this. Um, if you're middle class in Brazil, least you have is a master's. Really? You don't have an option. Yes, yes. Really? Yes. Because of the economy. I mean, you have all, you not all, but all, 50% of your universities in Brazil are free, mm-hmm. completely free, no tuition at all. And uh, it is actually, because of the economy, it's actually expected that you enter the job market with qualification. So it is a natural thing. When you finish high school, you enter university. Yeah. There's no other option. And then depending on the level of 
like a cultural social level you are expected to continue doing that so i'm not like gifted or special or here you issues. are here you know here you're i mean that's a pretty impressive stuff here how did you start writing about porn <sighs> okay um do you want a long story yeah give me story? the long story i've been watching porn forever first time i watched porn i was 12 um i actually asked my mom i want to watch porn because what is this thing and uh, my brother's like almost two years younger than me so he's 10 and uh and she said fine go there rent it and you can watch it at home i'd rather have you have this kind of education here than somewhere else sure so um we watched two films that day one was the typical pizza delivery guy yeah and that did absolutely nothing for me and then the second one was a gay film and i was like completely stoked and i was like i love this and then I was 12, and then I was learning, and uh, there was no internet back then, so my access to porn was really limited. And then, well, the internet entered my house. And uh, and so I was always, like, flocking around porn as a viewer and as a consumer, but never really tackling it. And then at university, I started dealing with literature, and I got invited to a um, um, scholarship, a research scholarship on AIDS and literature. So the idea was to compare two authors, two male authors, who had died around the same time in America and in Brazil, and how the AIDS affected their um, literature. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was 24, and I was inside the queer community, the queer academic community. Um, I was their pet. I was too young. And uh, this cute little thing talking about like homosexuality and stuff like that. So I just continued doing it, like talking about like the sexual part of it with a lot of feminism inside. And, but there was always something missing. And, um, and then I took a break. I said, that's it. I'm, I finished my uh, master's and I dealt with feminism. And I finished a doctorate and I dealt with family. But I was like, there is something missing. Well, then I decided to quit the academic world. Went for architecture, start making money, and and start watching, continue watching porn, and then I fell in love with a porn star because I had these rampages of like mad love for somebody for like a week. Right. And then I was on Facebook and I ran into a friend of mine who I hadn't seen for a long time. She's like, "Oh my god, you like her?" And I was like, "I'm in love with this person." And she's you like, mean you mean you you were watching the porn? I didn't mean to. I was her. watching a scene. You, you fell in love with her on the screen. Yeah, you, you didn't yeah. like meet her and go, no, "Oh my god." No, I never oh, met her. Hopefully, okay. I will in California. But um, um, but yeah, I was watching. I was like, "Oh my god, who's this woman? I want her," you know. And then this friend of mine had connections with another star, and I saw it on Facebook and I said, "How the hell do you know her?" It's like, "Oh, she's my best friend." I'm like, "What?" I mean, you mean these people really exist, and they, you know, right. she's like they're on Twitter, go on Twitter, and that's how Adam Bivok was born. And uh, I entered on Twitter, and I saw my crush was there, and then I start like paying attention that the conversations were not at all what I was expecting. You know, I was expecting some very volatile, futile, empty, shallow conversations on Twitter, and suddenly I started noticing there were like really brilliant people on Twitter, and in the porn industry. When you found your your porn love on Twitter, did she, or he or she, 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 she meet your expectations? Absolutely. Well, I don't know. What were my expectations? Well, I don't know. I, I really have no idea. I was just like, oh my God, they are reachable. You yeah, know? yeah. And then um, I just felt like, oh my God, I can talk about this. I can talk about porn in an academic way because... 
this is what I know. I know how to write academically, mm-hmm. and I, I like porn. Let's join this. So I just opened the blog and I start writing like reviews and articles and things like this, just, just to like test waters yeah. actually. And then Sovereign Sire read my um, one review that I wrote on her film, and she just immediately like pounced on me and said, "We want you in Darling House." So that was. And that's actually how we, our, our paths cross because Natasha Gornick is on Darling yes. House. And when there, I always ask people who, when they're on the show, hey, if you know of other people, let me know so I can interview. And when, when Natasha said, you've got to get Anna on because, you know, so obviously that's, that's high praise. We've got to have Anna on. Let's go back a little bit to um, your mom at the age of 12 letting you watch porn. Now, I'm not disagreeing with this. You know who George Carlin is? No. George Carlin was this comedian. A very big, huge comedian here in the U.S. If you saw a picture of him, you might. Yeah. Uh, George Carlin said once that he would rather he let his kids watch a movie where two people are making love than have his kids watch a movie where two people are killing each other. Right? Your mom was just like, yeah, go ahead. Go pick something out. We were talking about... We were curious. We were. I was 12. I was like really curious about... The, the, the whole thing in, in Brazil is like... It's so available um you don't need to be 18 to buy actually playboys are not closed they're not like wrapped they're open mm-hmm. you don't have to be 18 to buy a playboy or any other kind of magazine um i was talking to um chris madsen from denmark the other day and he was he has been to brazil and he said well what you guys watch on open tv in brazil would be considered soft porn in denmark yeah so we were so exposed to sex and nudity and all the time and i just remember seeing i want to watch a porn film and and She's like, yeah, fine, just do it at home. I'd rather have you do it here yeah. while I can control it, you know. And uh, I don't think it it went past that. I mean, I never. I think after she gave me the first go, I I never asked for a second. It one, sort of you know? lost its. Yeah. Uh, right. So because it wasn't forbidden, it wasn't that big of a deal for you, I guess. Oh no, it was a big oh, of a deal. It was, it was gigantic, actually. But it was something that I. I mean, nobody had to tell me that, but I was like, I'm, I, I, I'm not comfortable watching this like with my brother mm-hmm. and my mom. She was not there, but with my mom in the same room. Mm-hmm. Next time I watch this, I want to be alone. Yeah. You know, so the, and, and I never had to ask uh, twice or, or a second time actually. Um, can I watch porn again? From that moment on, I was just allowed to watch porn, and if I did not much, it was because I was not home alone much. Mm-hmm. But. Um, it is. It, it. It. I think it depends on. I mean, I come from a family. My both my parents are academics and uh, very open minded, and uh, so I think this helped. I if I if I think about, it, I cannot imagine my cousins having the same relationship with porn that I have. I was have. just going to ask because it, it it sounds like I mean that's something to be able to say stuff like that to your mom is really amazing. Yeah, I was telling um, Natasha Gornick today. We were walking on the street. I was telling um, Rosebud today, um, I went with my mom to see eight women, right? And I was really anxious for Fania Dunn, Catherine Deneuve's kiss. And then in the middle of the film, the uh, there was something wrong with the projector and they stopped projection. I said, my mom, okay, I'm going to the bathroom and then I'm going to come back. And when I came back, my mom looked at me and said, you just missed the kiss. And, and then I was like, what? She's like, yeah, it just happened like now. <laughs> and then I, when I look back, it's like, 
that's what my mom said to me. You know, I don't know many moms who would say that to yeah. somebody like, oh, you just missed the lesbian kiss that we really wanted to see. <laughs> and uh, so it is. a. Um, yeah, I think the family where I come from makes a big difference on how I can talk about porn and, and how sex talk is something that was normal, I think, in my house. It was never something that we couldn't talk about it, you know. That's a really healthy relationship, though, not just with your parents, but also with sexuality. Yes, like. yes, there is. When I read your stuff, uh, the thing that keeps striking me is that I don't know... Um, uh, first off, I've never seen anyone write about porn the way you write about porn. You know, you'll take a movie, and you and this is not this is not a negative thing, but I'll, I'll be watching this, I'm just blown my mind, because it sounds like... I mean, when you watch porn... Are you thinking academically? Are you saying to yourself, oh, well, that's a very interesting juxtaposition of societal norms or whatever? Because if I'm watching porn, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not thinking anything, right? I'm not thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how, how do you... I mean, obviously you enjoy it. You obviously enjoy watching porn. How do you do both? Or do you watch it once as just a regular viewer and then watch it a second time as an academic? Or? It's the opposite. I watch the first time as an academic and then I write about it. It probably saves time because that way you can fast forward to the good parts later, right? I never fast forward. It's funny. Really? Yeah. That's the, yeah. That, that, the fast forward is the greatest invention to I ever know. come to porn. You never fast forward in, under either circumstance, as an academic or just as a viewer? As an academic, definitely no. Because then right, I think it would, yeah, right. I, it would like break the whole unity of the film, and uh, and then I would not sure true to it. But uh, yeah, I never fast forward. Think of the hours you'd save. So if you watch it as an academic, I'm, this is just helpful advice okay. as, a, as a long-time porn viewer. Okay. Okay. What you? I'm. I'm I feel like I'm. I'm telling Picasso how to paint here um, what you do as an academic just an idea you should try this watch it as an academic as you should and just take mental notes you've got a big enough brain obviously take mental notes and like alright that's the part I gotta watch later as a viewer here's another part I gotta watch and then you can just fast forward to those parts or would something be missed would you miss something as a viewer is there a different word I should be using other than view? No, no, that's a good word. I could yeah, I'm going to try perv. that. I'm, I could say perv, I suppose. Watch it as a perv and watch it as an academic. Okay, that's good. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to try that because I really never fast forward. I just, I think I need the whole cinematic experience mm-hmm. of porn, you know? I need the whole boring building up and then right. things escalating quickly. I, I think that is part of porn. And I think if I fast forward, and, and this is just like from the top of my head because I have never done it. I think if I fast forward, I'm going to miss the whole tempo of porn, which has to be that dragging scene on like building up and then bang, they're, they're having sex. And right. Punch, you know? But uh, yeah, I'm going to try to do that. I'll let you know how that goes. So but what, so what happens when, when you watch porn? Do you only watch full movies porn or do you go to like Pornhub or one of those other other internet sites that is just the scene. Do you go to just the scene? Academically? No. No. As a perv? Yes. 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 So as a perv, what do you type in, if you don't mind me asking? Are you saying like, oh, I really like this actress or actor? No. Or, no? As a perv, if I'm not watching an entire feature, it's very rarely that I'm going to watch uh, Sam Fernando made 
um, seeing. I'm going to watch Amateur mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Amateur, Homemade, that's the kind of porn that I, as a perv, that I watch. Yes. Is it because you're so desensitized to, by watching the the actors, you want to see something real or... No, because I still have my favorite performers. Yeah. And the ones that turn me on more than others. Um, maybe in a place where I am, like personally right now, that's what's attractive sure. to me. You know? Um, yeah. So when you're watching it, uh, what are you thinking? I mean, because I'm, I'm just blown away by what you write about it. I'm just blown away by what you write. Sometimes, I, I mean, I've, I haven't seen... I don't think I've actually seen a full porn film in 20 years, like start to finish. I've never, I don't think I've seen a full porn film. And when you're, when you're, when you're watching it and when you're writing it about it, I, I almost want to buy it so I can watch it. I think you've done a lot for the industry just from people reading because they have to buy it in order to follow along. Um, what are this, what, I mean, what are you looking for? I mean, what do you, when you, as an academic, what, what, what type of things strike you? As wow, I really gotta. I think that I'm um, I'm very selective on what I write. I mean, in what I watch to write about. Yeah. Right. Um, and normally, I tend to pick films that I know that somehow there's something in there that I can, you know, choose to write from that perspective. So let me give you an example. Um, there was this whole hula on Danny Daniels' first uh, boy-girl scene. I was just, yeah. And uh, and I've been following Danny for quite a while now. Actually, like, Danny was one of the first performers that I looked and I said, there's more to this girl than just, and I'm not belittling, but than just this facade. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, so when I, when I got there and I started watching it, I wanted to write about this transition that she was doing from girl-girl to boy-girl. And then it just went a completely different direction because she just r- talks, literally, she talks about the importance of women in the industry and how much, much more important than the male performers they are. So I started watching a film thinking, oh, I'm going to rap about this. And then I ended up writing about something completely different. But yeah, when I start watching a film, I have something that I'm going to focus on. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I have contacted um, the people before, or there's something in the cover, or there's something in the story, or there's something that I've seen somewhere that, okay, this is a perspective that I would like to follow. Um, so yeah, that's it, why I'm so selective, you know. So if you were to if you were to write, let's say if we if if for some reason we were able to watch fifty porn films back to back right now, right? I mean, full length porn, right? Um. For me, as a as a per, I've only watched it as a perv, so mm-hmm. I don't know. But for me, if I were to try to look at it a- academically, I don't know if I would be able to identify that m- many. Th- v- I wouldn't be able to identify very many differences in the actual sex scenes. The only things I would be able to really identify that would be different are the scenes in between the sex scenes. Right? Are you so much of a connoisseur where you can say? Oh, this is completely different. I mean, obviously, you can tell if there's chemistry between the people, mm-hmm. right? But you you tend to write about things that are the actual sex scenes, not just the scenes. Because, in fact, if you're reading like the back of a DVD or something, 
you, you that almost most of the paragraph is about the lead up to it. Mm-hmm. It's very because it's really hard to write about sex, really, right? Unless you get really graphic, and by that time, it's way too long. How nuanced are you in watching something when you when you're looking at this? I mean, as an academic, you're watching this, and it, I mean, how how is one doggy style different from another doggy style or camera? Camera? Camera work. Yeah. So you're looking at it, I mean, you're looking at it as a, almost like a, as a film critic, literally as a film yes, critic, not, yes. just the, not just the politics yes. of it, though. Yes. I think camera makes all the difference in porn. Yeah. And uh, the, and this is, I think it was the first thing I noticed when I started, like, looking at porn as something that I would like to write about, is how camera can really make a film be completely different from any others. And... Um, and I think that the more I write about it, the more I get to understand this, these differences. Um, but yeah, it's more, than, it's more than performers, to be honest. I think it's about the whole directing thing. I think I understand what you're saying. It's almost like the camera shows you the intent of the act. So whereas if you're just only focusing on, say, the woman only, or if you're only focusing on the couple, or you're only focusing on... Is that what you mean? No, what I mean is that I, the, the camera needs to be where I would be if I was there. Oh, okay. That's it. I, I, you know, the whole close-up thing is like the gynecologist close-up. Right. I would never be in that position. Right. I would never have that perspective if I was in that room. So it just, I think it, it makes more sense to me when the camera knows where to go. Um, and it, it, would, it will position itself in a place where I would be if I were the third person in that room. Or yeah. fourth, fifth, whatever. Yeah. You know? Um, the, it, for me, as a, as a perv, not as an academic, but as a perv, it's really, really important to be, to be that camera. But I never had this perception until I started, like, analyzing camera work yeah. inside the porn industry, you know? Um so yeah, that's a friend of mine once talked about uh, what she called uh, I think she called it the politics of the money shot on how you can tell a lot about the director and about the and you might agree with it I don't have no idea, but she would say that basically uh, we were talking about what is good porn for uh, women to watch and what she as a feminist and a perv enjoys. And she was, she basically said that if the if the money shot is anywhere near the face, it's pretty much no go unless unless the woman is like really into swallowing or something mm-hmm. like that. Can't believe I'm having this in depth conversation about it. She, as she said, if it, unless the woman herself is directing it, the action of the money shot. Do you know what I'm saying by money yes, shot? I don't know yes, if that was yes, a, yes, if it, yes, yes, yes. Um, that if, if 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 it goes on the woman's face, it is automatically just turn off for her. Mm-hmm. Not just turn off for her as a perv, but turn off for her as a feminist completely. She says if it's on the guy, if it ends up on the guy himself, she said that's like the best thing possible. Especially if the woman is the one who directs it. Is she just overanalyzing it or do you see something similar? I, I've never noticed. I mean, I'm probably, maybe because I'm a guy or maybe because I don't even think about it that, you know, that much. She's not overanalyzing it, but she's feeling it. It's different. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have our quirks and perks and, and things that we like to watch and things that we don't. They may vary. They may 
remain the same all the time. But mm-hmm. um, I can understand that from a feminist perspective, and I totally refute this title right now for several reasons, but from a feminist perception, um, a facial would be something really degrading. Um, I know a lot of women who like him, mm-hmm. personally. Yeah. So, um, this whole idea of porn being degrading to him actually is kind of boring. I don't, don't follow that anymore. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the money shot. The money shot is something that is very debatable. Um, I was talking, I don't remember who I was talking to, um, and, and we were talking about exactly about that, how, how young boys get this perception of sex from porn, mm-hmm. and then they think they just can, can just like come in your face and they're going to be happy and licking all over it. And, and girls, we're not taught that. On the opposite, we're taught not to think about those things, you know? And then when things become real, that's when there is absolutely zero communication and right. sex sucks, you know? Right, right. So... Do you, I, I, I've I've noticed a trends over the, you know, especially when it comes to, um, some for a while that it was like the fake amateur porn. That was a big trend for a little while, and maybe it still is. I really don't watch as much porn as I used to. I, I must admit, but, um, and it was really just weird how you know like bang bus and all these different things, things that I, I I had straight. Guy, I should say, vanilla guy friends of mine, who just—I mean—they would say, "I, I totally get." <clears throat> they would admit, <clears throat> excuse me, to buying uh, a membership to Bang Bus, mm-hmm. which for me, I would watch that and I'd be like, "You've seen one, you've seen them all." Like, you know, it's sort of—I don't, I don't know. I just, I just didn't understand it. And they're also leaving the girl usually after they drive her out to the middle. Do you know the from with the yeah. bang? Yeah, they drive her out in the middle of nowhere and just leave her there. Total dick moves, and so. I never really understood, you know, some of these trends that how they become so popular. Are there any trends that you've noticed either currently or in the past that really struck you struck you as as either an interesting anthropological study or Yeah, the whole fifty shades of grey crap. Right. Definitely. Yeah, without a question. You wrote something about it. I I wrote it down here. Uh, you said 50 sh- the Fifty Shade trilogy is being wrongly marketed as pornography. Don't be fooled. There's very little pornography in there. It's a Harley Quinn book. Yes, yeah. And it it's nothing different from that. Right. Absolutely nothing different. Well, it's it's very. Um, it's sort of like, I, I I it's almost akin to like baby, uh, you know. Uh, on a on a bicycle, you put the little training wheels on. It's training wheels. Mm-hmm. If you're teaching a kid how to ride a bike, Fifty Shades is very much like training wheels for BDSM. I think. I think Fifty Shades is like a bicycle to a fish in terms of <laughs> in terms of uh, uh, bondage or whatever. It is. Yeah, it's not going to teach you anything. Right. Um, I'm not. I mean. We were talking about this a couple of minutes ago. I know nothing about bondage and submission and right. dominance. Nothing. I'm zero beginner in that. Right. Um, so I, when I was reading it, I was reading as somebody who doesn't understand it, and it didn't. It didn't help at all. Actually, it just made it sound boring and 
too romantic. Yeah. You know, and I think that this whole romanticism that the author applies to um to the sex act in itself, it's bothersome because it's being marketed as something different. Yeah. You know, um I've had friends who have read a book and uh and they love it. You know, like girlfriends and they're like, "Oh, I absolutely love this and I wish I had a Christian Grey in my life." And I'm like, you know, no, because right. it, it's, I know it is, it is becoming this like big thing, the editorial market now, because anything you write now with like the number 50 or with like bondage on the cover, there you go, you sell it, yeah, like, yeah. you know, hotcakes, but it is just so wrong. It's, it is demeaning actually to the kink community, if I think about it, because it just played so so popular, like you know. Well, I think what it is is it's a way for people to realize because I think I think oh you know the, the the phrase there's no such thing as bad publicity. Uh huh. I think it's kind of like that. It's sort of like, eh, yeah. It's not. It's definitely not something that any anyone I not I should say it's not something that many people I know would want to have out there. As a representative of... It's like the movie The Secretary, which I, I personally uh-huh. did not like at all. But I have tons of friends in the kink community that loved it. But at the same time, I have tons of friends in the kink community where you could do... If you could have any popular movie that has to do with BDSM, and they'd be happy about it just because there's a popular movie about BDSM, right? But for me, I think... It, 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 here's what Fifty Shades of Grey is a good thing for. There are people having a discussion now. There are people, couples who are having this discussion and they're maybe exploring where they wouldn't have normally. And because it's such a popular book, there's some people who maybe are, are going to be coming out of the closet, the kink closet, because they think it's so popular. Everyone likes it. That means every, a lot more people are kinky than I thought they were, right? But you're right. It's not an accurate, you know, it's not very accurate, but it's very much a... A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Mm-hmm. If you were to take that same book and if you were to take out, if you were to make Christian Grey a working stiff who's $50,000 in debt, it may not have sold as well. If you were to take, make him twice as wealthy, but take out the kink, it may not have sold as well either. So, I don't know. I don't know. What do you? Th- I mean, you you have. What do you say to your friends who just absolutely love it? What have you had? Have you had the discussion where you say this is this is like a fish on a bicycle? <laughs> no, actually, I, I, when I ask them why do you love, why do they um, love the, the movie, and they're like, oh, because the guy's adorable and rich and hot, and they have sex. And I said, did you pay attention to the fact that allegedly there's supposed to be like BDSM in there? And they're right. like, oh yeah. So, it, it, no, it's being marketed as something that it's not. And people are, like, buying it and completely forget. Because it is, I have to admit, just between us and the microphone, and the microphone I could not put the second book down because I really want to know what was happening in the end. Right, right. Right? Because it's just like watching a Maggie Ryan film and, you know, eventually she's going to be dressed in leather, right? <laughs> right. And then it's like, I, it's, this, like, it's painful, but I'm going to go through the end of it. And um, so... It's what worries me is that I, I I totally get it that there might be a very positive uh, debate coming to light 
in terms of uh, community visibility and uh, making some people who would be kink and are just too like scared to do it more relaxed and maybe like promote discussion in relationships. But I think there is another side to it. There is I have friends in the United States who are just like I cannot stand the number of women who are looking for me saying oh I want to do like bondage yeah, yeah. and then they just get here with the Fifty Shades kind of thing yeah. and, and one of them is in particular she's in Chicago and she's like it's really annoying because you have like these middle class wives coming here after reading three books and thinking I know everything about bondage there is yeah. so I'm afraid at to what extent it's going to force some people into no I'm, I'm afraid it's going to actually force and, and, and generate a semi kink community that's mm-hmm. going to be marketed and and in such a heavy way that it's going to keep the kink community on the background yeah you know this, it'll, it'll be a a homogenized kink community or something like that you think the thing is is that there there is a there is a bit of a shock that I think people, kinky people, have to go through. If you want to be in the lifestyle, you can totally be in the lifestyle just one on one with someone and never have to go to a party or anything like that. But for a lot of people, they have, if they want a partner, they have to go into the kink community to do it. And that involves going to the BDSM club that smells like feet, not in a good way. Going to the BDSM club that, you know, where you're not attracted to anyone or going to the, you know, all, all these things that, that it's not like a Madonna video, you know, there's a lot of these, you know, there's a lot of shocking realizations that some people have to come to and they're not getting that from the, from these resources. Americans are very good at creating market and creating like potential buyers and creating plastic things to sell. Yeah. Right. And I'm afraid that what a, Fifty Shades is doing is creating this plastic Barbie bondage world and marketing it like crazy. And it's, it might from, I don't know how many copies it has sold, but it might have generated honest debate in like 50 of those copies, yeah. you know? So it, it, it kind of, as a writer, it kind of upsets me that that shitty literature is selling so much, yeah. you know? Like, but this is a personal thing. It's not an academic yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I don't know, it's just boring. It's a boring book. But, I mean, the, the, you see this in a lot of media, right? You see this in the, like, you see there are, there, are, there are things in a lot of media that are very popular and they're not very good, right? You have the Backstreet Boys or you have, you know, whatever musical genre comes out that mm-hmm. it's just completely formulaic and it's the, the biggest thing out there, right? And you have TV shows like... American Idol and all these other things, which is just horrible, horrible stuff. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they they refuse to bring back the West Wing, you know, which is the greatest television show of all. But you know these things, or this happens all the time because it's schlock, and they're not going. They don't want necessarily the smartest people to watch. They want the most people to watch. What I'm pissed is that now they're fucking touching my porn. Right. You know they can do that to any kind of thing, just. Don't mess with porn, because that's really serious to me. So how are they messing with your porn? Because they're marketing it as pornography, and it's not. Right, right, you know, okay. If you have, like, Ricky Martin kind of music, I don't care. Right. You know, I'm not a musician. It doesn't bother me. Sure. But now, if, you, if you're saying you're writing erotica or pornographic novels, and it sucks, I'm going to 
want to kill you, you know, (laughs) because then it's, then it affects me, I think. Yeah. I feel like it's a personal thing. It's because you can ignore all those other things, right? You can ignore Ricky Martin or you can ignore whatever, but I cannot ignore 50 shades. Right. I got, um, and this is how I got to read it. Cause I was like, I'm not going to read this. And then three different people gave me, uh, the book for, uh, as a gift. Yeah. And I'm like, the first time I returned it, the second time I returned it, the third time I'm like, I'm going to read this shit because this is never going to stop until I read it, you know? And, um, and then just last Christmas, I got another copy. So yeah. it's, yeah, that affects me. Yeah. And I cannot, I can ignore Ricky Martin. I cannot ignore Anastasia, whatever her yeah, yeah. last name is. So, yeah. Oh, you, you briefly <laughs> mentioned, you wrote about this too, uh, about what a big deal it was for one of your favorite performers, Danny. Daniels. Yeah. When she went from doing nothing but girl-girl scenes to doing boy-girl scenes. And there seems to be. That's a huge deal. Porn stars seem to go in... in. They have to go in in, in levels. First they'll do girl-girl. Then they'll do well, uh, boy-girl. Then they'll do whatever the next level is. Anal or whatever. What are the... Why, why do you think it is that way? Why do you think they just don't... Is it because there's more money in doing it that way? Is that how it usually works? Or because they get more comfortable in the scene? Or... That's a good question. I don't know. What happened with Danny was that Danny was a girl girl performer and she was, she is really good at it. Um, what does that mean? Really beautiful girl, really into the scenes, really sweet. And she has this, this flexibility that she can play American sweetheart on one side and she can be um, dressing drag the other side and it just works. So when you say flexibility, you don't mean double jointed. No, not at all. Okay. I mean, this like personality. That would be a benefit too, I would imagine. Yeah, well, yeah. definitely. But uh, I mean, I've seen Danny in as the younger girl, and I've seen Danny like as like performing with somebody the same age, and she just—it doesn't matter what that girl does; it, it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous. So, I, and and she always kept this. She was always very like honest. I am bisexual, but just like. 99% of the porn stars, she never discussed her personal life. Well, it just so happened that when she decided to migrate to boy-girl, and I don't know what... She said that she felt she was ready. I don't know if there is any financial thing behind it. I really don't know. But um, when she migrated, her girl fans were really offended by it because she was sleeping with guys and her male fans were really offended by it because it was not them. Right. So she was taking fire from pretty much everybody. And um, and at the same time, it came out that one of the performers, one of the male performers she was doing a scene with is actually her boyfriend in real life. So you have a lot of people, a lot of like fans and viewers feeling betrayed because she's not... A hundred percent lesbian, right? And she's committed to but somebody. She, she had in, admitted she was bisexual. Yeah, but nobody had ever seen it. Yeah, you know. And um, so I remember at, in, uh, on Twitter one night, some, she, she was being flamed like so hard, and I said, "Guys, are you forgetting? Like, Danny always said she was bisexual. If she's saying, if she always said that, and you guys didn't believe it, it's your problem. She never lied to anyone, you know." And uh, and the product that that girl puts out is just so great that 
I I couldn't understand why people were so offended by it. There is this natural uh, this natural progression from girl girl to boy girl to anal and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how these girls are being marketed or are marketing themselves. I like to to think of marketing themselves better because a lot of them get a um, get a hold of their careers really tight right now. Yeah, they and, get advice uh, from other people. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jenny is one case, you know, and uh, so they do go slowly. I think it's it's kind of like breaking into something because girl girl sex it's not real sex. That's what Freud would say. Yeah. Right? So you just go like easing yourself into something and if you can profit from it, fine, do it, you know. It's just it's more accepted. Girl girl is more Oh definitely. Yeah. That's not sex. It has no cock on it. Come on. <laughs> Why do you think people got so Invested in this and got so, so passionate about it because, it, at the end of the day, it is entertainment. But why do we? I'm say we as people. Mm-hmm. Why do people get upset about? Okay, Danny's doing a boy girl scene, and we're really offended. And at the same time, they don't say, Danny, you didn't have exact change for the pizza guy, so you had to have sex with him instead. Why didn't you have exact change? Had go to the ATM first. Why don't? You know why? Why are they willing to suspend disbelief that the pizza guy's getting laid, but not suspend disbelief that this is something else? I don't know the. I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that question, but I think because the pizza guy thing is so far fetched, so far fetched that you don't have an option. Right. I actually know people who have done that, and this is true. I have a couple of friends in Brazil who order pizza. And then the guy gets there, and this is now happening now. And they say, "We don't have money. Can we just make out in front of you?" And the guy said, "Yeah." Holy crap! True story, you know. But uh, the whole thing is far fetched, you know. So you just have like you have to suspend all kinds of right credibility. And also, also, you're not, you're not, you, you, uh, the actors are faking. Uh, Walking in on the babysitter, masturbating, and then having sex with the babysitter—they're—they're they're not faking having sex. True. Right. Mm-hmm. That's—I mean—and they're not faking having sex with the pizza guy. They're actually having sex with the pizza guy. Yes. I suppose that it just amazes me that people would be offended by someone else's choice like that. But wait—that's the basic rule of civilization yeah, you I get offended you're... by anybody's choice <laughs> right. unless it's similar to yours you're right. it should be more shocking that I am surprised by it than yes, the, right. you're, you're yeah. right um, uh, Natasha Gornick I asked her a few because she knows you fairly well mm-hmm. Yeah, she went to Brazil and she stayed with you yes. that must have been do you have any stories you're smiling right now um, do I have stories Maybe um, maybe you maybe you've been sworn to secrecy. I don't know. No, I didn't. We actually didn't do much um, that I can tell. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> do I have any stories? You can think about it. Natasha but- popped more cherries for me in Brazil than all my years in Brazil. What do you mean? She um, she stayed with me for maybe six days or something like this. When she left, I was a completely different person. Like, uh, I have no idea what happened or I have like it was just this um, I think for the first time the I mean the whole the whole darling house thing is a year old right it right. just turned a year old so this whole porn life is maybe 
no more than two years or um, a year and a half old. Um, I think the first time I actually saw it like concrete in front of me was when Natasha was visiting me. And um, so it, it was mind blowing and like really a life changing experience. And I don't even think she knows that. And uh, so, yeah, it was awesome having her here. <laughs> well, I, I asked her. The reason why I brought it up, I wasn't, uh-huh. I wasn't texting people when I got my phone out. It was because she, I asked her, I said, what can you tell me about Anna and what, um, what, what would you like to ask her if you could be here? She's not feeling well. Otherwise, she'd yeah. probably ask her herself. Um, but she called you a porn advocate. And that's such a strong... That's such a strong word. Okay. Do you consider yourself a porn advocate? And if so, what does that what does that mean? I don't know if I consider myself a porn advocate. What I do say is that in my opinion, porn is the last space for resistance and the last place we have to change any kind of gender relations. We have tried it with feminism, didn't work. We have tried it with gay rights, didn't work. We have tried with like black rights, didn't I can say black, I'm black. Um, it didn't work. Porn is the last chance we have. So it is the only place now that I honestly believe that can host a debate that would change the relationship between men and women, 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 men, men, and society in general. Um, If that is being a porn advocate, then yes, I am one. What kind of porn do you look forward to? I mean... uh for, for you, uh, are you are you like oh this new release of this new film is coming out, or I'm looking forward to that new X Y and Z. Like for me, for example, I'm really excited for, you know, the next girl with a dragon tattoo film when it uh-huh. comes out, whatever. Yeah, I like the Swedish ones. Did you ever watch? Yes, the, yes. The Swedish ones are much better. But anyway, I like anyway. I'm really looking forward to that. I'll, that's something I'll go see in the theater or the new Hobbit film or whatever. I'm really excited about it. Are you the same way about porn? Yes, yes. So what are, what, what, what are you looking forward to? Um, or what types of things do you look forward to? I'm still kind of basking on the whole um, Graham Travis Wasteland. I think this is, this is a release from this year. I think September, last year, sorry. Um, it's a, a release from Elegant Angel uh, directed by this guy called Graham Travis. And it is just the most absurd thing I've ever seen in my life. It's just perfect. It's this mix of really, really dense indie film with porn. And I have no idea what this guy's going to do next. Because I think he, there's nothing he can do to top that. What, what, what is it you liked about it? Because usually, I'm, I mean... When you say indie film to me, right away, I'm like, oh, God, is this an art art house film, that type of thing? Yep. But that sounds horrible to me. Sorry. But it's actually, no, I know. But it's actually pretty good. I mean, I am, I, I like, I like plot. I like writing. Yeah. So I need plot and I need like, and, uh, and he, he was able to combine sex, an excellent plot, exquisite dialogues, beautiful camera. Wonderful soundtrack. He was able to do a complete porn movie for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I actually said this the other day, that after Wasteland, it's been really difficult to find porn I like. Really? So yes. it ruined porn for you? Almost. It kind of ruined porn for me, yes. But, it, like, Wasteland is in a level... Because porn is just so big today, you know? You have from Brazzers to, I don't know, 
Cindy Gallops Make Love Not Porn, which is fantastic, mm-hmm. to Girl Candy, what Nico Noel is doing, to whatever. I mean, it just it has this plethora of options. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wasteland is in one category. Um, I, of course, I have my favorites, right? Um, as both as an academic and as a perv. So, so what are your academic favorites? Are they the same? Do you have different favorites for perv as academic? Or are they pretty much the same? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I do. They're different. Are you ashamed? Is your academic self ashamed of the perv side? Absolutely no? Okay. Not. So what, what, what do you like as an academic? You don't have to give titles, but maybe styles or, I mean, whatever. Either. As an academic, I really like what Elegant Angel is putting out. I don't know why. I'm just in love with the studio not right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what Nico Noel does. Um, any of her productions. Um, I like what Lily Cade does. I like like small scale porn. And I like like gigantic scale porn. As a perv, anything with pretty girls. No, I'm joking. Um, as a perv, I need to feel like there's chemistry in there. Mm-hmm. You know. You said this on your on uh, something you wrote uh, last month. I noticed how much I talk about pornography when a friend complained about the monochromatic tone of my conversations. Not everything is about sex, she said. And then you said it is. Yeah, I talk. I'm. Um, yeah, I talk about porn all the time. You're talking about porn. You talk about sex. I talk about sex all the time. Yeah. Um. I sound like this twelve-year-old boy most of the time. <laughs> really? Yes. Yes. How so? I mean, how does that? So, when you're around with your friends, and is it like the conversation we're having now? Oh no, no. This is Filthy? like you're talking. You're talking. You're like. Just filthy, just like a sailor. Yes, yes. I'm a 12 year old boy. I, I mean, my best friend um, is a 25 year old boy. He's a boy because he's 25. Yeah. And uh, so we debate a lot on video games and pornography and sex and women. So, yeah, I'm 12 years old. That's a very interesting <laughs> relationship. Is this a just a purely just friends? Or yeah, they're only friends. You're yeah. only friends. Yeah. What about the people you date? People you see. Are, are they? The, do they say the same thing? Oh God, I don't know. Cause that can, I'm sure that might be. This might be a case where someone uh, you meet a guy or a girl, and uh, they're very intrigued because boy, she talks about sex all the time, and then it's almost like uh, you you think you're just gonna go, you're you're gonna have a friendly race, and it turns out you're racing against Mario Andretti. He's a famous race car. I know. Oh, I know okay, I know. well, I don't know. That's the first. Isn't I that bad that that's the first sports analogy I could come up with? I'm horrible at sports. But go ahead. Sorry. Oh, you're American. How good a sport could you be? I'm so sorry. That's quite all right. Okay, thank you. Um, I think the dating. Was that a Anna- soccer dig? Was that a soccer dig? I or football? You call it football? Yeah. I, you know, it, it, does it make you upset that we really don't care about football? No. No. You'd suck at it, so. Well, Why yeah, but it, it seems like other countries seem to be really, they're really into football, and the fact that we don't, it's almost like the difference between the North and the South here. Uh-huh. People in the South 
a lot of people in the South are really still pissed off about the Civil War. Uh-huh. Whereas people in New York, we don't think about it. We don't even, we don't think about the Civil War. But still in the South, is it like that where you're upset about something or you're, you're, you're saying you guys really suck at sports and we're saying, okay, well, sure, fine. Does that upset you at all as a country? You speak on behalf. You're, right now you're, you're speaking on behalf of your nation. Culturally, it's America so imposing on Brazil. Yeah. That the only thing that we have left that you guys really suck at it and we're really better is football. Yeah, I'm sorry. We were talking about yeah. you're dating someone. You go on, you know, someone is like you're like Maria Andretti. Do you do, do people? Does that intimidate? Yeah, I think that, that there's a difference between dating Anna and non-dating Anna. They're two different people. Um, I'm a very shy person, mm-hmm. and uh, socially, I'm very awkward. I hate people and I hate crowds. So, um, welcome to New York. <laughs> there you go. That's why I like you so much. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. You've never said so. Someone's like really intimidated by your your porn habits or not habits, your porn enjoyment or anything like that. Or when I was fourteen, there you go. Now this is something I never told anyone. When I was fourteen. I was with my brother, who was 12 at the time, and his friend, who was also 12, and we were talking about dick size. <laughs> and uh, and um, I remember his friend looking at me and saying, you don't sound like a girl at all. And that was so offensive to me, because it's like, what do you mean I don't sound like a girl? Like, girls cannot talk about dick size? And I never said anything to anyone, and this is, like, something I never... So... Yeah, maybe it started when I was that age that I get a lot of this and I just, like, don't listen to it anymore because I'm just, like, tired of listening to it. Right. Do you still talk about dick size to your brother? Not to my brother, okay. but I, just... I talk about dick size to my 12, uh, 25-year-old best friend. So. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, uh I, I'm sorry, I, I got the quote wrong. You said, you know, you said uh, when you're talking to your friend, you, she said not everything is about sex. You said she was right. Not everything is about sex, but everything is about porn. porn. Yes. Right. Yes. Porn is power. That's really amazing that you. You're going to the AVNs. Yes. The adult is it Adult Video News Awards. Yes. This is like the Oscars of porn. The Oscars of porn. This is yes. your first time going. Yes. Who do you hope to meet? Um. <sighs> Everybody, my crush is not going to be there. So, um, who's your crush? Or do you know? Wanna... Zoe Holloway. Okay. Yeah. Zoe Jeff... Holloway. Yes. Okay. But I'm meeting her in California. So. How is that? Well, let's talk about that. She's your crush. She's my mega crush. She's the reason why I started this whole thing. She's just amazing. She's. What is it? And she knows. She knows that uh, you crush on her. Well, I have written like I think two or three articles on her. So yeah, she probably has a fact. Right. Idea. And what is what is her reaction been to the article? She's a, she's just adorable. She's just I don't know if she had. Do you have ulterior motives to meeting her? No. Come on. No, seriously. She's no. a crush, and you're not gonna. No. No. I swear to God, I don't. How can you? Let me tell you, you a funny a story. Okay. When I was young, maybe around the time when I started renting porn, um, I remember going to the video store, and I was telling Gornick about this today. I remember going to the video store and getting the, like the cover, and there was like a Playboy version, a Playboy, um, sorry, Playboy feature on the some playmate. I don't remember who she was, and then I remember looking at her and thinking, "I wish she was my best friend." 
this is my relationship with porn since I was like 10 years old or 12 years old. Right. So it's something that has, it, for me, it's just, it's not a sexual thing. As crazy as this sounds. So, yeah, I'm going to meet my crush, but there is no, you know, second intentions behind it. It's just... For you, meeting Zoe is equivalent to some woman in the Midwest meeting Oprah. Oh, man, I hate Oprah. That was a (laughs) terrible way to compare it. I don't know. For me, meeting Zoe means my 11-year-old niece meeting uh, Robert Pattinson. Okay, who's that? The Twilight guy. Oh, okay. See, this is how little I pay attention to Twilight. You're lucky. But, uh, yeah, that would be... (sighs) So you're just going to scream... You're going to scream. You're going to go, ah! I hope not. Ask but, for an autograph and that'll be... No, I hope not. Um, if she if she comes on to you, though, I mean... She's not going to the AVNs and we have... I have contacted her and uh, through email and I said, listen, I'm going to California. I know you're not going to the AVNs and this is my schedule because I'm flying like to right. different places. And I said, I'd like to meet you to have coffee. And she's like, yeah, that's doing well in California. And I almost died. That's great. Yeah. But uh, there's just so many people that I want to meet. You know, I've been writing about these people and watching these people and like studying these works, and all these people are going to be in aviators. So what are you going to do there? I mean, I don't I mean Freak other than out. The, oh, sorry, right? <laughs> other than other than watch the award show, are you just going to? Oh, which I'm not doing. You're not doing. No, I'm not doing the award. So Actually, to- I'm going to the expo. There is an expo. Okay. Like a business, business and fan business um, expo, and that's what I'm doing officially up to now. If it just so happens that I get go to the awards, fine, but that's not. I mean, it, it's okay. not settled yet. So you're just gonna go and drool over people, or just uh, geek out? Is no, this equivalent actually, to you going to like a Star Trek convention if you were? Tr- probably. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Um, I did get um, press passes. So what I'm doing is that I'm writing an article on losing my virginity at Avians um, to a very dear friend who runs a site called um, AIP, American Industry Press. And um, so I have this mission, you know, I have to go as a first-timer and experience the whole thing so I can sit down and write after that. Right. And uh, I'll get to interview a couple of performers and photograph them and things like this. But Thanks again to Dr. Anna B. Volk. You can find uh, her link of where she writes about porn on mastercast.com. Twitter's on there and everything you could possibly need. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Bye-bye.